Welcome to another episode of Victory the Podcast. I'm Doug Allen. I'm Kevin Dillon. Victory! Irish, Irish crickets. We don't have beers. We don't we're have we're beers. trained to say Irish crickets, but we don't have beers. You know what we do have, though? I saw coffee. I is that like... off-brand that we're drinking? Dylan's drinking a coffee and I'm drinking a <laughs> water. Are we losers or is that acceptable, Doug? You know what? I think it's acceptable. And it's a Sunday morning. We got uh, going here. We got a special episode. We got Piven coming in. And, yeah. Uh, and by the way, we may not have beers, but you know what we do have, Connolly? What? Kevin Dillon We got back. Kevin Dillon is back. <laughs> back I, from Nashville. I don't know. The poster w- worked pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> the cardboard cutout. I like it, that. It's easier to control, and it definitely doesn't have any traffic issues. Getting who stole stuff. the Emmy out of my cardboard cutout's hands? You know, I don't know what happened to that. To be honest, I, I made a joke that I took it away because you lost, and we all <laughs> lost, including James Con. But uh, listen, that cardboard cutout is more valuable than Dylan in an interview. <laughs> <laughs> it's more interesting. I got to tell you though, how many people have seen that thing and jumped because you come around the corner, you think it's real? It's crazy. Jumped. Uh, you mean you got all excited? <laughs> Ooh, there he Doug, is. Doug, honestly. You don't really make me laugh all the time. You do with your words, but your videos never really amuse me. But you getting the Dylan into the car was was really hilarious. I begged you to put that on my You really were trying to figure out a way to get into the car. Well, well, can we say to this jerk off on the Action Park Media Instagram page wrote, he literally wrote, your video sucks, basically, and it wasn't funny. I thought it was funny. He's I, wrong. Dylan thought it was, it was funny. I thought it was funny. So to that guy, I forget his name. It was like Creepy Jim or something like that. Creepy Jim, <laughs> I know you asked me whether you should go elsewhere with your entertainment dollars. Number one, I don't get paid for this podcast, right. so do me a favor, Creepy Jim. Go fuck yourself. Well, I don't care if you listen. Creepy Jim does not lead to dollars. <laughs> I can, that much I can assure you. <laughs> I can't believe it, though. I mean, I try. I really creepy do. Creepy Jim. Also, too, Doug, look, man, I'm, I'm giving your boy Freeman from Nashville. I don't know if Dylan saw him this weekend. No. But the 30 days is up, and... It is now time to reapply. The clock is ki- for the clock is ticking. Steve Freeman, check. You know Steve well, a little what are you bit. About? Steve is a producer in in Nashville. He's also got a podcast. Huh? He's also he's put himself on the hook to get Connolly a blue check. Uh, for the Action Park okay, you were in that My girlfriend interview. also needs a blue check. Amy doesn't have a blue okay, check. Okay, Steve Freeman. Steve Freeman. Amy needs a blue check. Also, I want to talk about Amy. Kevin has an amazing girlfriend who is a phenomenal singer, and I think some people out there are starting to get the feeling I have a little weird obsession with Taylor Swift. I do, by the way. And I love <laughs> Nashville music, and, and Amy is great. So what we're going to do maybe next week is we're going to either bring Amy on or play a song nice. that she wrote about Kevin i got to run this by her first, right. but I'm you, sure she'll do it. You'll well, run it by her, but what I'm interested in is Kevin Dillon is going to break down lyrically the song and and how it was how he inspired it. Oh, she's going to have to explain some of it. But <laughs> I would like to hear your take first, and then we'll bring her in for the real story. <laughs> she wrote it early on, so, right? Yeah, so it's probably changed I think now. It's changed a little bit. You're so vain. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, is it called That's "I Hate you. Your Guts"? I probably think the song is about. Okay, Dylan. So you went to Nashville with Amy, yeah. which is funny because. How did it feel to be the plus one, Dylan? <laughs> it felt weird. I felt like a roadie, man. She's like, here, hold my guitars and my suitcase. And- right. Is that true? Yeah, no, what? dead serious. I took- did you see the picture I put I did. on Instagram? I did, yeah. I mean, let's... <laughs> I so had two guitars. It? They gave her a guitar signed by all these great singer-songwriters. Wow. And so Taylor, you were you were, you were carrying <laughs> equipment, Dylan. You were carrying equipment. I you was were the roadie. carrying her equipment. Good I was like you. a roadie groupie. You know what? <laughs> By the way, you know it's early in the relationship. That's like picking up at the airport. You do that the first couple of months, then you never see the airport and you're like, again. What? I sent yeah. you an Uber. I called the Uber. <laughs> um, so Dylan, what happened? So she opened for a bunch of people. Yes, she opened for uh, I guess maybe like eight other great other singer songwriters right. who were amazing. 
And she can hang with every one of them. She was that good. I yeah. think I, she really the, nails it every time. I think she's phenomenal. She she played in my backyard, and it was really yeah. great. Yeah, it will I, be a really fun podcast. I think if she's cool and she's on board, and then we'll play the song. And you okay, know, listen, All the right. song is good. But I, what I would like to do, how about it? We may even have to go old school and send Dylan into the put him in an isolation booth <laughs> and hear her version of what the song means, <laughs> and then hear Dylan. Yeah, that's Dylan's funny. Version, yeah. That's yeah. Now, funny. Dylan, do you break up with her if she goes? Listen, I really wrote this for my ex boyfriend, but <laughs> I wanted to make Kevin feel good. Well, it's a bold thing to write a song about somebody, right? Most song songwriters don't like to do it. Yeah, no, uh, I mean it's not all positive too. It's like, <laughs> it's like you know, show me what you got, kind of thing. You know, right. well that's good. That's yeah, more than like, me fuck over. you. Yeah. I hate your guts. Well, I, mean, I think I've showed her since right. what I got, but right. you know, you know. Well, no one's Ew. ever written a song. Show us. We don't know, want to know Ew. what you got. Please. I'll show you right now. <laughs> uh, no one's ever written a song about me. So, and that's a she great. She could write one on the spot. It's a great Stevie Nicks song. You Is want anyone... her to write a song about you? Oh, my God. Oh, God. Please. Would... Dude, Are you kidding? I'll, Do you know? I'll see if she'll Hey, listen. Uh... If she really wants to get a, po- a bunch of Instagram posts, could you imagine, <laughs> Doug, if somebody wrote a song? Dude, about I'm telling you, she could write up a song. 24 like, hours a day. She's playing she's it. Prolific. She just can write. Stevie Nicks, who's one of my favorites. My daughter was almost named Stevie. But um, Stevie Nicks is one of my favorites. Has an amazing song called "Does Anyone Ever Writ- Written Anything About You?" And and I've cried over that for twenty years because no one's ever written shit about me, and ever. they're not going to. Uh, maybe well, maybe reporters just... have written all kinds of shit about you. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the reviewers, reporter, yeah. <laughs> the variety. Oh, plenty six. to say about both of us. Page six called me dreadful, Doug. Maybe Amy's got <laughs> a song you're so that so hung now. up on that one. They How can you not be? Because it's a personal. You don't like the personal nature of the attack. Well, dreadful. first of all, I think every ex I've ever gone out with still. Likes me, honestly. They're still friends with me. I, I have no enemies from my exes. So dreadful. That's good. That's you good. know. So I mean, I'm sure Conley's got a couple out there that hate him. I oh, know, they like, hate him. No, that's not true. My ex girlfriend's all like, well, that's not true. You're right. Um, <laughs> it's not true with me. <laughs> yeah, we are right. I mean, generally speaking, it takes a little time before they go. You know yeah. what? He wasn't so bad. Yeah. Well, he wasn't so <laughs> he bad. Wasn't, he was bad. By the way, that's the <laughs> great song that Connolly has about him. He wasn't so bad. What a hit. What a fucking that hit. That could be a hit. Also, too, this is... He I didn't mean, suck if, if this, that much. If this were to come to fruition and actually happen, I don't know what exactly the ask is, but Doug, I'm also on that email chain. Somebody from ESPN Cornball has been it's calling corn me. Holes. Corn holes. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. Why don't you insult them more? You're a corn ball. So- <laughs> All right. So this is Marlon LeWinter, I believe is his name. So Marlon, I've said this to people on DMs because people talk to me like I can control Connolly and Dylan. They're like, hey, could you ask Kevin to do this? Could you ask Kevin? To-? They don't listen to a word I fucking say. Okay. So if you want to talk to them, talk to them. But Kevin Dylan on the air he wants to partner with Chris Chelios and play in this cornhole tournament. I suggested yeah. Chris Chelios. Well, who are we playing? I mean, we can't beat the pros. They're well, that's really, what I'm saying. Like, is it is it a charity? I think we got to get the details of it. And we'll Doug, play I other think, actors and athletes. But if we all go, right, it would be against other yeah. like semi-professional like cornballers. But Doug, you and I would go there with the Zoom kit. We'd get some. We'd do a podcast. I love it. And if you get ch- five-time Stanley Cup champion Chelios as your partner, and you guys play other uh, actors that are good, I mean, I, 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 I'll be in the front row. I can't wait. Yeah, nice. I nice. think it's great. So anyway, Kevin Dillon's committed. Now we have to figure out how to do it. But so please. now, wait, did, you said this takes place over the Super Bowl, like they would air it at the halftime. I or? have no, I doubt it. But it's probably on ESPN. Or, I don't know. We're leading what? up to it. You know, they make by a the way, day I, out of the Super Bowl. Maybe it's earlier. Yeah, in the yeah. Day yeah. Or and by the way, yeah. I don't know what it is. I know, you know, the the. 
the kitten bowl goes on during the Super Bowl. So you know what I'm talking about yeah, on yeah. Animal Planet? I love yeah, that thing. The kitten so, uh, bowl, and then yeah. there's the girls who... Yeah. In the ba- bikinis. Right. I don't oh, yeah, watch that's right. that stuff. That's right. The, uh, the lingerie yeah. bowl. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. Good answer, Doug. Good answer. <laughs> so uh, while we're on music, though, I have to say this. I don't know if you guys uh, saw this. Has anyone watched this Bee Gees documentary? I watched oh, my it God. It was amazing. It's amazing, right? It was amazing. It well, I knew that about the Bee Gees. A lot of people didn't know they're... You know, they started out as kind of a rock and roll band like the Beatles. Pop rock I mean, they band. They, they really sounded like the Beatles before yeah. they found that disco sound. Honestly, it related to us a little bit because I know we weren't as big as the Bee Gees when no, the Bee we Gees weren't. were the biggest. But what <laughs> happened with the Bee Gees, they start out, they make these hit songs like the Beatles. Then they their career ends and then they find this new sound and they become the mm. biggest. Honestly, one of the biggest bands ever at the time. And then the backlash turns against disco uh, and them. And it was a little... What was the backlash, that, though? What was the backlash? Well, the, everyone hated... Well, not everyone hated disco, but the rock and roller guys, well, basically, like, right, they were like, disco sucks. Yeah. Started burning records in... Uh, what was Wrigley that? Soldier, Field. Soldier oh, wow. Field, right? Wrigley, Wrigley Field? Field, yeah. But really what it was, was disco became a medium for crappy musicians to make stuff that were rip-offs of stuff like the Bee Gees were actually excellent musically. And... Mm-hmm. So it, it started, the, the, the levels of what disco was became really bad. So people really turned on it, and the Bee Gees were the center of that, so they really turned on them. Do, so, do you remember that? I remember it. Of course I, I remember mean, it. Of course I remember it. And I was such a Saturday first, Night Fever fan. My so. first record ever was Casey and the Sunshine Band. Oh, rock and the my boat. Two Don't brothers, rock the boat. Paul and Matt were like, you got to break that record. Disco sucks. We like Zeppelin and Sabbath, you know? Everyone, yeah. the whole world was like, all the rock and roll guys were like, smashing all the disco tracks. sucks, you got to break it. It really became an interesting thing. I wouldn't because, do it, though. But, you, not break but it key. was a really interesting thing because it honestly was in the deep, dark levels of what it was. And you can see it in the documentary. It was homophobic and it was racist is what, what it really was. was. I, they I didn't, didn't know think that. So. I'm telling you, they didn't know that. What was homophobic and racist? Basically, what started it was this backlash against black music and against... What was happening in the clubs, which was a lot of gay men were getting in the clubs and dancing to disco. So it wasn't obviously Dylan Brothers. What happened is the mainstream sort of just turned it into, okay, it's anti-disco. But where it started from was this deeper level of hatred. And It may have started there, but of course, the bigger thing was they were afraid rock and roll was going to get kicked to the curb. Right. That's kind of what was going yeah, on. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, which, by the way, it now kind of has from hip-hop and yeah. rap. And, yeah. and you don't see that... You don't see that backlash because they're a little tougher, the hip-hop guys, than the disco guys were. Yeah. But And, Doug, I'm going to butcher this fact, but didn't they say if they were dancing, if it was a gay club, they wouldn't give them a liquor license? There was something that they said about that. But anyway, it really was Imagine underpinnings. That? Like, oh, no, yeah. we can't have gay people dancing. Like, But yeah. there really so was. Weird. There was yeah. a political climate that was undercutting it. Then it became that's more odd. mainstream and similar to the PC culture that we see now a little but bit. But that's so. tr- super drastic, telling gay people that they can't. <laughs> Drink and dance. And Doug, did you go to of course? But yeah. did you go to Studio Fifty Four back in the day? Are you Doug couldn't get into Studio Fifty Four if his life depended on it. Studio Fifty Four. I was in once. Limelight. We used to sneak into that, that and other upstairs uh, yeah, VIP yeah. room was amazing. Also, too, Studio Fifty Four only had a two year run. Is that true? Mm, no, I would be surprised so. if that is true. Well, but I, I don't know. It went from the seventies into the eighties. I'm not sure. Conley's got some facts there. I don't know. But the truth is, I, we knew people that could get us into clubs when we were young, and I had the best fake ID ever. Do you know what I did? Which <laughs> is a felony. I took my brother Rob Ellen's birth certificate to the Department of Motor wow. Vehicles, so my driver's license, and I looked. 
I still think I look a little young at 52. Others may disagree, you look but good. but you know what? When Ish. I was but when I was 16, I looked 11. But this uh, this license was as good as it could get, so I could go in anywhere. Even though they knew ice. it was fake, the license was so good it was undeniable. You had well, undeniable it wasn't fake. Then there was no picture. So on a New York license, there was no picture, and you could literally take a pencil and kind of change a letter, a number here and there. You're right, but I'm talking about when there was a picture. So we're sure, talking about 1670. I'm a couple of years older than you, right, Doug? I mean, you guys are really winning over the hearts of the young people talking about your <laughs> license not having a picture on it. You know what? But, but, but I think it had a picture How on it. How fucking old are you, drama? <laughs> I had my brother's True license that. with that. my picture on it. This was a real license. I could have driven in a car with it and been pulled over and they would have taken it. There's nothing yeah. they could have said. So anyway, everybody should watch the Bee Gees documentary and, uh, and we'll talk about that. And, uh, Let's get ready. This is exciting, guys. Let's talk a little bit before we bring on Jeremy. But I haven't seen Jeremy in five years. When's the last time you guys saw him? It's been a while. It's been a while. I saw him a couple years ago. We run into each other. Yeah, I've seen him places. you know, since the shooting, but uh, it's been, been a long time. Was there a right. shooting? It's <laughs> <laughs> the filming. Okay, I'm just, filming. I'm just wondering what we're talking about. But, but uh, anyway... There's been obviously so many messages about what's the the problem with you guys and Piven, and there really is no problem. So, but we'll get into it with Jeremy, and uh, let's yeah. bring him on. Welcome back. Uh, we're excited here. I mean, listen, you know, he doesn't need an introduction to this Highly audience. Highly anticipated guest. Three straight Emmys. Three straight Golden Globe nominations, two wins or three wins in a row, too. I, I don't even know. Look, I'm just honored to be here. That's all that matters. <laughs> you guys are the only prolific people during the pandemic, and I just can't believe I'm in the same room with you. Taylor Swift <laughs> as well, by the way. She's going to win nine Grammys while this pandemic happens. But. So, Jeremy, it's great to have you. It's been yeah. a long time for all of us that we've seen. I don't remember the last time I saw you. I, Live. I, I mean, the good news for everyone is we're all so vain that we don't want to age. Oh. And we're just, you know, we're figuring out how do we stay, how do we not look like a bag of dirt? So I celebrate all of you. <laughs> a lot of moisturizer. For, there you go. Moisturizer. Indeed. Indeed. There's you guys a are all holding strong, very strong. Connolly and Dylan just did a commercial together. And uh, honestly, I saw a picture of them like with the works done, which is fine. But they both, hair and makeup helps. They both looked like 30. I swear to God. And everybody was commenting on it that they don't age. And then all of a sudden they were criticizing me for aging. I don't wear makeup, guys. I don't do that. So, Jeremy, you're natural today, correct? <laughs> I, I am. I am all natural. Let me take these sunglasses. Why didn't someone tell me I was wearing sunglasses? It looks good. Look. You, uh, uh, through. Put you don't want to be the douche inside wearing sunglasses, I've guys. Done it. Well. I've done it. <laughs> So, Jeremy, we had yes. uh, Jimmy Kahn, who I know you know on uh, last week, which yeah. is really exciting for us. Have you ever worked yeah. with Jimmy? I I've never worked with him. Uh, we work out at the same gym because I like to work out with octogenarians. I like <laughs> to be the youngest guy in the room just right. to make myself feel better. And so I've seen him a million times. Obviously, we work with his son. We we love Scotty. And I, I always say hi to Jimmy and and he just walks past me. And I finally <laughs> just went up to him in the parking lot. I go, Jimmy, I just have to say, man. I just love you. Oh, thank you. And, you know, I, I always wave to you and you never remember me. And he goes, well, if you do something that I fucking remembered, maybe I'd remember you. <laughs> <laughs> so I kicked him in the balls. I go, you remember that? No, just kidding. I, I love that guy. And, and Scott did the show recently and we love him. Yeah, crush yeah. Him. He, he's, he's good people, you know, and he just turned 80 and he's still going. And uh, hopefully it's funny. I said to Doug, I was like, it must be great to get to that point where you just don't give a fuck and you say whatever you want. And Doug said, I think he's been there pretty much as <laughs> Life. Yeah, you know, he's a legend, and he figured out how to do it. We don't even know if a guy 
like that would survive today. Yeah, well, it's tough. I don't know if you heard yeah. the episode with him, but Jimmy was talking about stuff he was not shy about, getting uh, getting Scotty some Heidi Fleiss girls for his 16th birthday, and uh, that stuff probably <laughs> wow. wouldn't go over well today. You know? <laughs> you know, it's funny, on my way over here, I was thinking the hard part for us, I think, is trying to narrow it down, because I've there's so much I want to say. I want to do like a four-hour We podcast, could do a two-parter. Two-part holiday special. Double Sharks week. Normally I prepare, I go up with questions, I'm like, listen, I know you're for 20 years, we're going to go like a little round table, a round we flow table. and whatever happens, well, happens. You, you know? know what I was thinking about doing is, is bringing something up, Doug, that I don't even think these guys know, that you would call me up and you would say, hey man, we've got an older a guest spot, you know, can you, can you come in and, and meet with Martin Landau, Malcolm or McDowell, Malcolm McDowell yeah. Yeah. Um, Mike Tyson, yep. and you know, it was, and, and even you, I don't know if, I, if anyone knows this, but you even asked me to ask Bono if he could say happy birthday, Johnny drama. Did you guys know this? I have like three questions and this is yeah. one of them. Okay, yeah. good. So there's been some discussions. Brian yeah. Burns claims to be on a first name basis with Bono. He says he knows Bono. We talked about it. I don't know if you listened to the episode when we when we covered the episode. Brian Burns claims to have had a hand in it. We don't know. We got to get Bono on to figure it out. <laughs> Bono, we need you on. It's just one man talking, but I'll right. tell you my experience. So I am a huge U2 fan. I'm at, I'm at the concert the night before we're filming. And Doug's, I guess I texted you that. And you're like, okay, we'll ask Bono if he can say happy birthday, Johnny Drama. I was like, Doug, I, I don't know Bono. I don't you know how, how he goes, just get it done. You know, and I just love that you had an enough faith in me that was that like was very motivating you know we're in our second season no yep. one really season did. two episode nine there you go but I season two has not started airing so people don't really know us that well and, and especially you too yeah. by the way yeah. so I, i'm backstage and i am just stalking him and i so i've got my eye on him and i'm watching him navigate all these different people and i'm just waiting for my moment and i just felt so creepy and i finally <laughs> I finally went up to him, and he couldn't have, couldn't have been nicer. And he was very sweet. He had no clue who I was or who the show was. But thank God, Paul McGinnis, his manager, was standing there, and he said, oh, no, no, I, I, I know of you guys. You guys are the underdogs. You know, no one knows about you yet. We were the underdogs. I got you. Nice. And um, I was like, oh, my God, thank you. And I, I just kn knew that that wasn't enough. So I kept going and I went and found his assistants and just kept double checking with everyone. And then, you know, smash cut to him actually pulling the trigger and doing it. And in it was Espanol. Kind of, in, yeah. Cumpleaños. Yeah. Yeah. I remember saying, okay, wait a second. So you're telling me that between songs <laughs> two and three or one and two, Bono's going to say, happy birthday, Johnny Drama, and we're going to react. He's going to forget. It is not going to happen. <laughs> There's a million things going on. He's performing at Staples Center. No way. And then lo and behold, boom, it just happened. It was he, magical. Well, we got lucky. I don't think if his manager was there, but then I wanted to also make sure that his manager's assistants did it. And so we, we got lucky. And, and that was a big one. It. Now, but yeah, it is 1000% Brian Burns. Moving on. <laughs> By the way, uh, Jeremy, I think you were with me, but in the south of France. And yes. We ended up partying with him oh like all God. night at some nightclub. Oh, my and God. And had a great time. He was so cool. And then true. went right to work. Yes. <laughs> with a hangover. I have to say, for the record, I, you know, and I regret this. I think you guys had more fun than I did. Why? 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 Because know, he was in the office with Rex. <laughs> well, at like parties. And, and by the true. way, as, a, as a side note to Rex, um, who I literally just ran into, and I'm not making this up, I was 
pulling my stuff out of storage. Talking about Lloyd, by the way. God. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Rex Lee plays Lloyd brilliantly. And I'm putting my stuff into my car, and I have a poster of Entourage <laughs> that's framed. And as I'm putting it in, I hear, hello. And I swear to God. And I turn around, that and it's perfect, Rex. by the way. You nailed that. It was Rex and this very good-looking gentleman, young gentleman. <laughs> And they were just staring at me, and I was like, what are the – it just looks like – by the way, it looks yeah, like I'm walking down the street with, yeah, celebrating a picture of us. I was horrified on so many different levels. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dylan gave me for my birthday once a picture of himself. That's true. I did? No, that's not – I'm just joking. But, you know, Jeremy, that's the Bono thing coming through like that. I used to – I did. I used to bring Jeremy and try to – Connolly times two to get these meetings. Do you remember our – one of our bad meetings, though, was Richard Sherman. Do you remember that one? What happened with Richard? Sherman was Piven at the Richard I wasn't Sherman a part meeting? of it, but I just heard that he had to cancel last minute. That's all I know. That's you, all I know. You were coming with me. You were a part of it. What happened was oh. he I, Doug likes to bring people to run interference. Like he would do that with me in case it gets uncomfortable. Well, by the way, it's not even interference. What the, the call was? I get a call from Richard Sherman's agent that he loves the show and he'd love to have lunch with me. I'm like, does he really want to have lunch with me, or does he maybe want to meet Ari or drama? You know. So I'm like, oh, I'll get someone to come. So I called you to come. Yes. And, very simple story. This is right after they win the Super Bowl. And at the time, even though Russell Wilson has unfollowed all of us on Instagram for some bizarre reason, but I was good friends with Russell. And Richard said, let's have lunch. So I offered to pick him up at his hotel. And his hotel was in Santa Monica, and it was a 1 o'clock pickup. I pulled into the parking lot at one o three. Then I was going to get you after. I get a message from his agent. Uh, you're too late. Richard doesn't like tardiness. I'm not joking. And and I then was, he tweeted it, didn't he? Then I'm like sitting there, I get a tweet. Nothing worse than wasted time. I'm not joking. But it was that was also an incoming call. He wanted to meet you, yes? He wanted to meet, allegedly. Well, he wanted it's, to meet it's his me. agent setting I it up. I never spoke to him directly, which is the thing I'll always say. The only time it's ever worked out was with Bono. If they go through agents and you got fucking 15 people running interference, you're going to end up in trouble. So I can't tell you what the real story was. What I know is I was there at 103, drove from L.A. to Santa Monica, and he tweets, nothing worse than wasted time. And I think I tweeted back, go fuck yourself or something like that. But Probably something like but, that. No, but <laughs> just so everyone's aware. I did nothing, and I thought it was extremely rude of Richard. But yeah, you were coming with me. We were going to go to. Uh, I was Ivy excited. On the shore. Yeah. I was excited. So anyway, but thanks, by Richard. the way, you, you're you're mentioning like maybe the one negative, true, kind true. of like cameo in a sea of professional athletes right. that yeah. you yeah. know all wanted to show up, and we were incredibly lucky, very lucky. And Mike Tyson was one of them, and you brought me in there, and you know couldn't be. I'm such a big Mike Tyson fan. I'm yeah. sitting there. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're doing the meeting and everything's going great. And then you said to him, you go, Mike, uh, I just got to be straight with you. We don't have any money. And, um, <laughs> you know, you're going to get like, I forgot what the number was. And I don't want to say it out loud. Probably but 2,500 bucks. Probably. Whatever the scale, a yeah. top scale is. <laughs> you're right? going to get scale plus I think I know you made $30 million for Holyfield 1. Right. But this is 1700 <laughs> and you're going to work your ass off. And he goes, you know, basically, you know, that would be, a, he goes, that would be incredible. He goes, you know, he goes, I would be honored to be a part of it. Said, you know, said, you guys are so wonderful to me. And, you know, just, and, and, and he was so sweet. He's walking me to my car, and he's with his bodyguard. I'm alone. Why does Mike Tyson have a bodyguard, by the way? Think about this for a second. It's another story. Yeah, it's a whole other story. So um, we're walking, and, and um, he literally says to me, I'm not making this up. He goes, he goes, I, he goes, I don't understand why you're alone. You should have an entourage or something. That's what he said to me. I go, oh, no, I'm good. He goes, no, I mean, I don't know. He kept saying entourage over and over again. His bodyguard points to me and goes, Mike, look at look at Jeremy. Jeremy can handle himself. 
I'm, you know I wouldn't be making this up about Mike Tyson because you're yeah. probably going to put this out somewhere. <laughs> he looks at me without missing a beat and goes, this motherfucker? He goes, this motherfucker looks like he's the captain of the Jewish debate team. <laughs> How'd you respond? Did you punch him in the face? Uh, no, I, well, it hurt me because I... You know, I never made captain. <laughs> I think you look like you're in good shape. And Did my you watch dad. the fight? Did you watch the Tyson-Roy Jones fight? Bro, th- he hugged Roy Jones Jr. more than my father hugged me my entire childhood <laughs> during the fight. I That's not Roy true. My father was him. I thought Roy was hugging him. Yeah. I, I thought heard, Mike was going easy on him. I was at the re- 50 bucks well spent. I was, I was, listen, I was uh, taking part in some herbal medication at the ranch <laughs> that night. I'm outing myself. This is this is weird. No, Doug, now. you don't know. Doug's developed a drug problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're not drugs. They're legal. They're legal. I take edibles. Big deal. No, I knew there was something different problem. about it. I'm relaxed. I'm relaxed. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> no, I heard. Listen, he Tyson's going to fight Holyfield. That's that's a whole other <laughs> for sure, right? It's the right. only logical. I thought Mike looked great. I was really, I mean, I thought it was dangerous for Roy Jones to be in that ring, to be honest with you. That's what I saw. I think Mike let him off easy. You're right. I think Holyfield's probably five years older than Mike, though, isn't he? I don't know. I don't know man. Holyfield was behind me on a plane. He looks physically better than all of them combined. Does Not he? even close. Right. Which is what, look, you like these fights, but you don't want to see anybody get hurt. I, I don't know, uh, man. Of course I'll not. watch it. Of course I'll watch it. But I don't Listen, every, everyone's making a comeback, even Saved by the Bell. That's true. All right. <laughs> That's that's why we need the reboot. Well, Zach Morris, Mark Paul Gosler did a Saved by the Bell podcast. Doug calls me in the middle of the night and is like, "How could this? How could they be ahead of us in the ratings?" I'm like, "Doug, I don't." By the way, I love I that impression. Know. That really sounds like it. you were stoned out of your head on edibles. I'm sure. I, I just love the fact that you guys even know podcast ratings. Oh my god, I can't believe you got Dylan out of Malibu. I, I, this is all just insane right now. I, I don't like to leave Malibu. You I don't. Really don't. No, Jeremy. I mean, I'm telling you, I've been asked to do podcasts for five years. For five years, Jeff Garland started. You've with done his, a lot of podcasts. No, but Jeff said I should do with him i didn't really know what they were till Connolly started this company and then he was like let's do it and i was like what are we gonna do and once he got dylan i was like if dylan does it i'll do it i mean right. we gotta have the talent now we have a cardboard cutout when dylan doesn't show up i don't know if you saw that but i saw, i'm just honored that he's here in the flesh yeah. yeah he would not have missed this one we're gonna jump around a lot and that's fine how'd you get in the last dance listen they came to me because they know i'm a huge fan chicago I, yeah, guy. yeah i'm a chicago yeah. guy and i i've loved those guys forever you know, they were just looking for Chicago people that 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 people knew that loved the the Bulls, and I was, I, listen, I you know, no pun intended, but I ran with the Bulls back in the day. I mean, you know, I was with Dennis Rodman until a million o'clock, and <laughs> and you know, watched all that go down. I've I've seen him. Right. You know, it's you weren't it's, on that trip to Vegas with him, boy. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny you say that. I was not on that trip, um, but I saw him when he got back, and they they asked me because they knew that I had some stories. And by the way, you guys know that I'm, you know, I, I have a problem with trying to overachieve. I just try too hard usually. And so they said, we just need one 30-second story. I sent them 14 30-second <laughs> stories because I was like, look, I go, there's no way I'm not getting in this. I'll do, I, you know, I try. I'm going to keep giving you options until something is funny enough to make it into the cut. Smart. And nice. then I called MJ's people. <laughs> and I was like, you guys, I just want to be a part of They're like, no, no, we, we got you, Jeremy. It was a great surprise to see you in it. And it really was. It was such a great illuminating doc that it was good that you got in there. Did so, you think it, yeah. it showed him in a good light? Look, in a time when everyone is trying to be on their best behavior because we're living in a very fragile time. You know, here's a guy that didn't 
Michael Jordan doesn't need to make a documentary. Right. You know what right. I mean? He could play golf and have a great time for the rest of his life. He's on his own golf course, by the way. Correct. <laughs> and he, so the fact that, you know, he shot this back in the day and owned the footage and, and signed a contract saying the only way that you can release this is if I allow you to, you know, because that's basically what was the contract. And so here he is all these years later and wants to reveal that he, to his own admission, has a competition disorder. And as a guy from Chicago, thank God he does. Yeah. Because he won six championships. By the way, there was nothing I saw in that documentary. All the hype up to it was how bad it made him look. There was right. nothing I saw in that documentary that didn't make me like him more. Because I grew up as a Nick fan, hating his guts. And I was right. like, to be honest with you, when we go to work, just like we did... I was into everybody who's into winning and into competing and into doing the best they can. And not you're not there. Again, we did have a lot of friendships, but we're not there for friendships. And he wasn't on the basketball court like Kobe, who I want to talk to you about for a minute also. Yes. We will know. not stop till we knock Zach Morris off the charts, and that's the bottom line. <laughs> I, think I think we passed him. I think we passed him. So I, I, was, certainly with Jeremy, we're going to go right fucking past that Save by the Bell sweep. episode. Sweep, sweep. Yeah, by the way, everyone, subscribe. you got to click the chart. I've talked about this before. I saw Kobe... In his playoff game, I think it was against Denver, two air balls when he was in second year, a rookie. And I was like, this guy has no fear. I love him. And I got a German Shepherd the next day and I named him Kobe. And Kobe was my favorite player. And obviously he went through some some tough shit also. But he was the guy that was there to focus and win every single day, you know? And yeah. You got to you got to meet him during the shoot. I know what what went down that day. Everybody asked, I had this picture that I posted of you and Kobe, which he wasn't in the show. But you yeah, started how did that ta- not make the cut, Doug. Well, because and and again, Kobe loved the show and he loved the real Ari. But he didn't he didn't want to do it until kind of when the movie was coming out. We talked a little bit, but he just didn't want to do it. He wanted to focus on basketball. But he was there, and you were talking to him. What went down that day? Well, first of all, every time I ever ran into him, he was what the Jews call a mensch, a good person. Just and I, I really mean that. So we were there, and and because I I was lucky enough to work with a lot of athletes. By the way, is that me blowing up? I'm sorry. <laughs> So embarrassing. <laughs> That's so horrifying. For 30 years, I've had my phone on silent because I'm living in fear of ruining a take, and that just happens. Here we are finally getting back together. Um, so I, I see him. Yeah, so, you know, you put me, you know, in scenes with Mike Tyson and all these guys that don't really have a reference, you know, for, for acting. And I just was honored that, you know, uh, I, I, first of all, a director that I'm not going to name right now who said to Connolly, just walk it off, Connolly. Walk it off. <laughs> it's amazing that, that Jeremy does a Dan Adius that's just yes. on fucking point. That yes. is a great impression. I don't know You've what to do. You've been invited to set three times. You've been invited to set three times, Connolly. Let's go. Walk it off. Uh, he has a broken femur. Walk it off. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I'm used to, you know, people, you know, I, I know that if you get a guy – Feeling comfortable. All these athletes um, have swagger. I mean, they're and they're interesting and funny. And if they just get out of their own way, they're going to be great. So I saw Kobe, and I told Perkle. <laughs> to, Dave Perkle was our DP, or yeah, one of, the early DP. Yep. I just said, "Spin it, you know, just keep it going," which just sounds like your nightmare. <laughs> like literally tonight, you're going to be like. <laughs> um, so he starts, and I go over to Kobe, in and char- you're mic'd. You're wearing a I'm, wire. I'm right? mic'd. I'm I'm in a suit. We're ready to go. I'm in character. They're warming up. I go over to Kobe. I go, "What's up, baby?" And he goes, "Oh, hey, man, what's up?" You know, because the thing about 
you know, people like when they come up to you and they think you're Johnny Drama, mm-hmm. they think I'm Ari Gold. So if I walk up, what's up, baby? They're going to say, okay, that makes total sense. Yeah. You know, and I'm just in character and I say, here's the thing, man, you're so charismatic. And he goes, oh, thanks, man. And he's just literally <laughs> draining threes effortlessly as he's speaking to me, right? And I go, how come you don't get in front of the camera? He goes, no, nah, man, I don't got it. I don't got it like Denzel. I don't have that. I don't have that. I don't have that kind of charisma. I go, no, you do. You totally do, baby. You you could kill. You could make him look like Carrot Top. You know, whatever I said. You know, I'm just like literally just trying. You know, to and he just, you know, he he's so interesting and calm and fascinating during this entire conversation. He's fascinating on camera while telling me that he's not fascinating. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. So that's the irony. And, you know, I, I, I don't know what Perkle's framing was. <laughs> I don't know. I'm mic'd. He's not. He's 6'6". Six, six, I'm 5'2". You know what I mean? So I don't know. I'm not 5'2", for the record. Can we, just, can we just, can we take that out? Maybe you got to get him to sign off. Is that what it was? Yeah, though? we definitely had to get him to sign off. But honestly, I don't remember. I remember when Jeremy was talking to him. I don't remember ever seeing it or hearing it. I, I like I, the footage. I, 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 re- I reached out to you and I said, we got some stuff with Kobe. You said it didn't work. Or something like it didn't, it didn't, what, all that matters is, you know, we got to be around this guy, right. you know, which was just incredible. I mean, because we always filmed that, you know, at, at the stadium. And I remember one time when he was injured, I'm sure you guys remember this, and he comes out, starts popping in half court shots. Well, remember, he, we, we he, bet was, him he was bucks. hurt that year. Each one of us bet him 20 bucks that no, he was, could make a left handed half court shot. It was 200 it, bucks each. And he That's had five. I think he had five shots at it. Was yeah, it? no, it was like a couple shots. But the one where 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 Jeremy was talking to him, he was playing. The, when we had the bet, remember he was out for the year. He was in the boot. Yeah, and he was launching half court shots with the and he was hit, boot he was all over the rim, but he them. missed all three of them. And he gave us he yeah, gave he us sent somebody bucks. out. He, he like he walked off. While we were filming. I'm yeah. like, wow, we just got stuck. Kobe just stuck us for, for 200 each. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, at some point, somebody came out and handed and gave us the money said, hey, this is from Kobe. Pretty well, cool. Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you. I, I mean, had that 200 bucks for a long time, and I, <laughs> I got in a jam, and I ended up spending it. Well, I can tell you, I did not expect it, but the day he died, I couldn't believe how it hit me. I'm not kidding. I was like crying like he was a relative. It was really yeah. weird because I don't know how many other athletes that I would have thought that way about and it it did and as jeremy said there was something in him the guy won an oscar okay like this guy was who knows what his next act was going to be and it's always going to be something that you always felt that he was going to always be around Mm -hmm. there's no way a guy like that's gonna he's not mortal Mm -hmm. and so yeah it does kind of shake you i remember one time during a game because you know i was just a really big fan and and he as play is going on he comes over next to me and he's holding his shorts. He goes, let me ask you a question. And everyone's looking at me like, what's going on? I was like, is he talking to me? He goes, well, I'm watching that show, man. <laughs> and you're angry. It looks like you're really angry, man. How do you do that? And I was like, well, when everyone's watching you and you drain a three with time running out and there's a billion people watching you, how do you do that? It's easier know? to be angry. <laughs> <laughs> and you could just see the wheels turning. You know, because he's a student. Anyone that's ever talked to him, he always is very curious about you. How do you do what you do, you know? Because he's always trying to figure it out. And that's why he was so good for so long and had 61 points in his last game as a 38-year-old What I love about him and MJ, which is an interesting question for you guys, is they were before social media, yeah. but it feels like it feels like they would not have engaged in it the way the guys do today. And for us, I know how big it would have been for our show if we had social media because HBO was still, you know, it was big, but it was still like a niche thing. 
this would have exploded it to a whole bigger thing. So how do you guys, first of all, how do you guys feel about the whole social media and actors using it and it being so important in your careers now? And, and Jeremy, are you using it a lot or how are you dealing with it? I use it, but I don't know what I'm doing uh, at all. It's, it's a different world. It's a completely different world. And there are people that are hired based on, you know, it's a big variable. How many followers do you have? Mm-hmm. Kind of sick and twisted that that could even come up in a conversation when they're making a decision on yeah, some but- kind of an act. I don't care if you're saying one word. But it was always, it always was, as we try to be, whatever we are, artists, it was a business and it always was. And they know that aspect of it can help them. So you can promote things without even using marketing. By the way, like this podcast. We haven't spent one nickel promoting yeah. it. So, But the, they, they say, they, they did do a study. Now, I'm not, obviously it's different with podcasts and that kind of thing, but with movies or an independent movie or what have you, that it will not amount to success in an independent film. Right. So if if you don't go with the with the quote unquote actor and you go with somebody that has a bunch of followers thinking that that's going to somehow blow up your movie, that's not happening. Right. I think you need both. Obviously, you need to have the talent and the good product and then have that also. But I think what's interesting now is uh, we talked a little bit about it last time, but Philip Seymour Hoffman was an actor who really didn't want anyone knowing a single thing about him. He just wanted his performances to stand. Nowadays, people know your whole personality and stuff. How do you feel about that? Well, it's it's up to you. I mean, I think Dylan was the last guy to actually join social media. Right? You went in kicking, screaming. I was real, yeah. I was real late. I didn't want to do it. Right. I still don't want to do it. Really, <laughs> Doggy Kevin helped me out with this stuff. Yeah, but yeah, and I your girl probably helped you to. She's helped me out, for, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And writing songs about him, by the way. Jeremy plays the drums. <laughs> I have a new girl week. now, by the way. Oh, you have a new one? Yes, I do. Yes. Yes. She's very talented, and she writes songs about Dylan. We're going to bring her in and have her play one of them. She's which... a singer-songwriter. Yeah. She's really good. Nice. Doug, we have spent some money on promoting the podcast. I'm not it's making not fun good. of Action Park Media. I know they deliver. Action. Everyone needs Doug to get it. low-budget comments. I, he gets upset. Again. It's, listen, upset, Ethan, Ethan Supley has... has I'm a, glad you say his name right. Ethan has a podcast that gets a little more love and attention. Well, he, does, he does bigger numbers. It's kind of like known HBO. Ethan longer. It was like HBO <laughs> with the Sopranos <laughs> and us. You know? Ethan was probably a friend from childhood. I know Ethan for 25 years. But as I said, friendships. Who cares? He does bigger numbers. He does. So you wrote him the greatest role of his life, but you're not Ethan. (laughs) Yep, doesn't matter. So, but anyway, I know you. I guess what my point was is now you can kind of make yourself kind of the thing. And I know you have a podcast, or you're starting one, or what's happening? Yeah, I started one. I put about ten in the bank, and then you know, you. It's just been a strange little journey. uh, How so? I don't want to bore you with the details. Oh, no, tell us. No, we're on a podcast. Yeah. Oh, we're on a podcast. Oh, this is a podcast? <laughs> Bro, what's going on? What is a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Give us the short of it. So you wait. No, no. I, listen, I, uh, you know, like you guys, I'm lucky enough to have, you know, relationships with, with people and, 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 you know, you just kick it around and it's so fun and interesting and I, you just get to learn so much. And <laughs> Wait, yeah, you're leaving something out. What happened? No, it's just you, you, you hire an attorney and then suddenly it's just in slow motion. Yeah, like it's it messy for no reason. Wow, yeah, we've been waiting for six months to sign contracts. It's like, no, I, I just I just want to start my po- – I've already right. interviewed – wait, who do you need to it's sign like contracts stuck. with? No, like yeah. when you – he's saying when you just start to do the deals. And yeah, By the way, you guys still don't we have, have a contract. We have not signed a contract. I'd like to get paid this way, year. I'm trying to pull a Jeremy. You know, Jeremy, we can talk about this for a second. No, this was a good move. Jeremy <laughs> – 
a lot of people don't know this. When the show started, Jeremy said, I will commit to two years, which is not done. I don't know if it is done now because I don't really work in the television business anymore, but that was not done. So the reason being, you sign someone to a six-year contract in case they become an Emmy winner and they have no contract. So Jeremy, you did that. And what happened was HBO said, we can't do it. We can't do it. And I flipped out. precedent. I flipped out. I called Ari Emanuel and Ari called HBO and said, Jeremy Piven's doing this show or my name's off the show. And Ari really stood up for us, got you a a great deal because, you know, if you had a six year deal, you would have been stuck for six years as opposed to being. uh, So how does this happen with a podcast? And why aren't you at Action Park Media where the the contracts are easy? Oh, they're really easy. I can't get you guys to sign them. First of all, let's be honest, for for you kids at home that don't have visuals, I know some of them do. (laughs) It's an amazing vibe here. You don't know where you are from the streets. You're totally under the radar. And I think I signed with the wrong people. Yeah, I do, too. Can you get out of it? I can get you out of it. We'll get you over to college. I know a guy. Yeah, well, that's I love well, Hold on, let's, let's rewind for half a second. Let's be honest, Doug. The reason why I signed a two-year contract is because Dylan and I are the, the elder statesmen, if you will. By the time we started Entourage, you know, I had done 40 movies and I had a, a quote. And you guys said, listen, can you, can you get about 20%? Will you do it for about 20% of your quote? I said, sure. You know, that's a 80% pay cut. Wow. Yeah, but it's I, a small HBO does is they're a little tight up at the top. I yes, mean, they're they great are. and well, they do all those things, but they now, don't. Now, by the way, I just want to interject one thing. I love when everyone says, you guys, I have nothing to do with deal of making. Of course, you know, nothing. I, I really just said, I want nothing. Jeremy, you, get him, and mm-hmm. you figured it out. But by the way, HBO is the best game in town. And the reason, Correct. it wasn't that they were tight, it's just that we had a very big cast. Everyone gets the same amount of money, um, even though I'm 200 years old. Doesn't matter. <laughs> they were, you know, they don't give a little love to you. And it's all part of it. So what you do is you say, okay, cool. Um, you brought this up, Doug. I never like to talk no, money. No, we want to talk everything. God, the, the, leave it to the two Jews to fucking talk <laughs> about money. Unbelievable. So, yeah, so I took it like an 80% pay cut, and you go, okay, I'll do all this. You know, no billing, no trailer, no money, no nothing. Just give me a two-year deal. And then after two years... You know, well, you had an they, Emmy under your belt, and then mm-hmm. you renegotiate. That's I mean, right. just it's like for, an athlete betting on themselves. Absolutely, you know? and right. for behind the scenes stuff, which Jeremy knows some, but you know, things become contentious. But there was an executive at HBO who doesn't want to put Jeremy on the poster season one, and I'm going that was weird. No, and I'm going. Are you watching the fucking show? And again, I'm not saying I don't want to talk about breaking out or not. I knew, and first of all, I knew with Dylan when he came into his audition that I had gold. But the what scene, about me? You didn't think? No, the scene isn't feeling you. <laughs> no, but what I, wa- what I want to explain is th- there were a lot of scenes with four or five people talking. And when we shot him, David Frankel, who shot our pilot, who was fucking awesome. But David did, which was very smart. He covered everything, which was not my style. And I said to David, I don't think we need all this. He said, Doug. You want everything because you want to get picked up, and then you can figure it out later once you do, which was amazing that he said that. It's good advice. But mm-hmm. when we were shooting scenes with the four guys, basically you're going to piece that together in editing. You don't get to see a lot of masters. You don't get to see a lot of things. So the first time I knew we had a show was Jeremy and Connolly in Koi. I watched that like a play, and I was like, holy shit. This thing is going to fucking explode. I knew it. And, you know, it's not that the other scenes didn't end up being great also. But I just. Sorry, Dylan. You just weren't part you, of the pickup. You cut me bro. deep, Doug. You, <laughs> you, you were not part of the pickup. I, I have to say, I love Jeremy. that scene, too, though. That but let's be honest. Amazing. No one is better out of the gate. When we're doing table reads, Dylan would 
I, he literally, people have to stop. They're laughing so hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm scrambling to see where I am. I'm not a fast So starter. everyone at home knows a table read is when we just sit down with the And it's fr- Doug's favorite thing <laughs> okay. in the world. <laughs> but you know, Kevin, Jeremy, I, I do a little pre-table read beforehand. I was so about, I'm, I'm actually ready. Is that what you yes, do? Yes, I do. I was about to ah, say, Dylan, okay, now we know. So I can deliver. That cold. Bro, I'm no. always afraid that I'm going to lose a funny line if, if I don't get the laugh. So I want to make sure I get too. that laugh at the table. <laughs> Connolly lost a ton of funny lines with shitty table reads. listen. Not necessarily with Entourage, but you guys know on another show, or you're on a sitcom, and that joke doesn't land at the table reading, it's fucking gone. Yes. So I want to make sure I can, you know, get the laugh there. Otherwise, I might lose it. And by the way, we've all known people who've gotten fired off of table reads, and I'm not saying anyone here would have ever that happened, but every actor out there should know, yeah, take the table read seriously until you win a fucking Emmy. The table reading is wildly important. Yeah. Especially in the early days. Wildly important. Yeah, I don't it, know why, but it is. Well, I think because, you know, that's a much bigger conversation, but people operate out of fear, right. unfortunately, and you don't have a lot of trust in people. And, you know, like if someone took a look at me at a table read, they'd be like, is he mentally challenged? Why, <laughs> how, why have you hired this guy? What's going on? And then when they come to the show, they go, okay, he's an actor. Yeah. So, you know, everyone has a different process. Right, yeah. right, right. You and know they what just I mean? gave you the script. Usually they're give, handing you a new one as you're, you're reading it. I always, right. by the way, I start to get nervous when the they's start getting thrown out. They, Sometimes I think I'm part of the dog. team and then all of a sudden I'm just not, you know? <laughs> So for everyone who doesn't know, I've said this often. It's so strange, but my first, which I still have, my first outline says Jeremy Piven playing Jeff Jacobs. Do you know Jeff? I don't. Okay, Jeff was my agent at CAA. So two weird things happened. You, who I then meet, got in great shape. You were in less good shape, I would say. Would you agree with that on Sanders, which is where I really wanted you from? That was the whole energy I wanted. Maybe you, you I was a that. fat piece of shit. Is that what you want to say? <laughs> so, you fat shaming Jeremy plus size, whatever. But we sold this show. There is no Ari. There is Jeremy Piven playing Jeff Jacobs. And what happens is I go into this meeting. I meet Ari for the first time. He walks into the HBO meeting. He takes over and I go to Lev. I'm like, this guy's a fucking character, you know? And then I go, I like, is Jeremy this guy? And then I met with you and you had God, thank God you transformed your body. You were in great shape. You were, you felt like Ari. You had this like kind of, and I know you're not like Ari Emanuel and I know you're not like Ari Gold. But you had this kind of, which is what what I loved about you in all of your work, and it's not that you don't do multiple things. You bring energy to everything you do. And there was something about, Larry Sanders was very influential, which I want to talk to you about, on this show. I wanted, Bob Odenkirk was the only thing I knew about agents when I got to this town. And that was like, I was like, how am I going to top that guy? How are we going to figure that out? So did you have any thoughts about Sanders when you were coming into this and it's another Hollywood show? Or I... I I was lucky enough to do Sanders. It was my first show out of college, and and Bob Odenkirk played the agent and crushed it. And and, and Shandling was an absolute you know genius. And I learned so much. And speaking of the Bulls, I felt like literally I was coming off the bench for the Bulls because I didn't have much to do, but I learned a lot watching that and just kind of being around it and the brilliant Jeffrey Tambor and all that stuff. So by the time we started, it was the first time I made a stand. And you, the rest of the actors in the room will know this feeling. It was the first time they were like, look, uh, they want you to come in and audition for a show called Entourage. And I was like, Entourage? Oh, I had a bunch of buddies that were up to write Entourage and none of them were good enough. And I was like, (laughs) I was so, I was immediately intimidated. Like, what is this? They're like behind the scenes. 
you know, Hollywood uh, exploration about to loosely, it's an homage to Mark Wahlberg's life. And I was like, man, this, it, it just sounded good from the jump. I was like, anyway, and I kind of knew Mark. And so I just knew it would, would be fascinating. And Ari was my agent. So I said, look, I was lucky enough, you knew my work, and I'd been on a bunch of TV shows and was, you know, starting to star in TV shows. And this was like one scene in a pilot. That's all we had was a pilot. And it was the fifth lead in a TV show that I thought was amazing. And I was like, I want to be a part of this. But how do I not audition? I want, you know, it's like as an actor, you're like, just. I tried everything to squeeze the offer out of these guys, too. Yeah, (laughs) because that's all we want is respect. This is the moment. I want my artistic bar mitzvah right now. I want to become a man. And by the way, this is this is where this is where somehow confusion goes in or Doug doesn't really have the power he thinks he had because there was no audition for me. I was like, can we get Jeremy to do this? Meanwhile, however, it's going behind the scenes because there's more powerful people. Somehow you're getting the feeling that you have to read for this, correct? Not somehow. (laughs) I am 1000% to use your words, 1000% getting, you know, they're going to walk away unless you go on an audition. I was like, look, you guys, I've been doing this for a while. It's one scene. It's brilliant show that right, I it's a be- great scene but it's one scene i've done 50 movies mm-hmm. don't fucking make me come in there and read for you guys sounds right. better when connelly says it <laughs> do your homework so i don't have to come in so finally i did no movies and i felt the same way <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you were you were I did some you stuff. had a great role from the jump yeah, 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 but I, I, yeah, that's true. But I had a I'm not, no, look at number one on the call sheet. Look at bro, I want it. <laughs> yeah, but but he Jeremy. reminded us constantly about number one on the call sheet. And by the way, what were you number two? No, I was number three, I think, and I was number five. All right, but you know what, Jer- Jeremy, Doug's like anyway. Hold on, let me just finish really quickly, Doug. I, you're here every week. I'm, you'll never <laughs> go, get to see go, me go, again go, ever. Go, no, go, 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 go. No, so I basically said, look, can we just push for a meeting? And they go, look, they're going to walk away. I go, guys. We just have to, if if we don't, we'll never know unless we, like in poker, you got to for, force their hand. So we force their hand. So I, I get the get the meeting. So I put the suit on. You know, we're in our That's 30s. That's already stepping out of your comfort zone. Yeah, we're in our 30s. Dressing we don't. up for the role. We're right. not, right. you know, guys that wear suits every day. Look, mm-hmm. we're casual people. So I put the suit on and I come in with that Ari energy. You know, unbeknownst to me, as Ari Emanuel, as my agent, I had been a dramateur studying this role for all those years because I got to see exactly the way this guy is. And I just knew I, I you know, I didn't know anything about how I how I could play him. I just knew you got a guy who was so good. Ari Emanuel, I'm speaking specifically yeah. about the actual guy. Yep. He's so good at what he does. He is this type A abrasive over the top guy is incredibly loyal to all of his clients. You think he's a douchebag and running around sleeping with all these women, and he's really monogamous to his wife, and there's all these dualities going on. I'm going, this guy is fascinating. And if Doug wants to explore this character more, there, you know, it, it could be something because all the other characters were pretty fleshed out. You're like, you know, some of my favorite lines, just like little lines of drama is like, yo, bros, or anything, any parts in there for me? <laughs> and your heart just breaks and you're like, oh my God, that's all, that's all of us. You don't remember mm-hmm. any of my funny lines? <laughs> I can't think but, of one. You know, is Connolly, is he always like this? <laughs> he's, he's great in the booth there. He's great. No, in the but booth. Jeremy, you're right. And we talk about it a lot because. What's happening is like before we cover an episode, we go back and watch. I mean, I just started. I wasn't doing it, but now I do it. Um, <laughs> the first and, and, seven ones he didn't we've watch. We've seen. But... You remember in the pilot, you know, uh, ask me who I'm fucking. Who are you yes. fucking? 
Yeah. Mrs. Ari, no, uh, whatever the model. Now we you went on that you would go, go on to find out that you're super monogamous and that wasn't happening. Not to mention at one point you had eight kids. <laughs> By the way, no one even mentions that Connolly during that scene ate about 11 pounds of <laughs> onions. And I was like, you were eating all the yellowtail and I was, it was at 10 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. I was like, I can't believe he's uh, eating all that sushi. I couldn't believe it. Bro, and then you saw you. what happened to me. <laughs> what? The mercury? From- yeah, when, Jeremy, when you got, when, when the mercury poisoning thing happened, I said, look, I'm not a doctor, but he eats a lot of sushi. <laughs> and by the way. Just so everyone knows, Jeremy had a, got sick from mercury poisoning. Some people didn't buy it and whatever. He, he had to leave. A, they a, thought it was a fish yeah. story, I bro. Always, he had to leave I, a show on Broadway. and I, yes. I always thought, why would he make that up? When <laughs> well, he could say, yeah. I have mono. It's I an have, amazing thing to come up with. There's 22 other things that you could have had that people wouldn't have argued with you about. So why would he say but, mercury And by poisoning? the way. I know you guys have access to all this stuff, but pop in Robbie Williams, who is the biggest pop star in the UK. Mm-hmm. He literally just came out and said verbatim everything I said. But anyway. All right, let's get back to this. Yes. Stuff. Okay. So- that was the sound of people switching over to the Save by the Bell podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so that scene, it's interesting that you, you point that out, the dualities of it, because the truth of the matter is I had no fucking idea what I was doing or where this was going. I said to you at one point, I said, Jeremy, I can't even tell you this show's going to be good, but for some reason I feel like I know how to write for you. But that line where you say, ask me who I'm fucking, was not written with the thought that this guy never cheats on his wife. It was just I was writing something that I thought sounded funny at the moment with no thought that there'll be an episode two ever. Even though it wasn't specific because Ari was, uh, you know, monogamous and and it was so on point for that character to take a victory lap and have, you know, just... Victory! There you go. Gary Busey, the Gary Busey episode, I, you're, 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 you live in fear of every time anyone mentions his name. And, uh, for good reason. Yeah. For good reason, everyone. Did you listen to the episode? Are you talking the about the, the show episode or the podcast well, episode? I'm just going to – we'll get to the podcast in a second. <laughs> but the actual day – I don't know if you remember this. Ugh. Everyone's got their, their Busey moment. <laughs> but there I am. We're, it's Busey in the Beach is the name yeah. of the episode. We're on the beach with him. And he and I have our scene on the water as the water is just, you know, just like on our feet, right? And the sun is going Magic down. Magic hour. Beautiful. Magic hour. It's incredible, right? And, and he's like, I'm going to miss your smell. And he's just like, just, you know, saying stuff that like, you know, and he, and he, and he just was not saying anything that was even remotely in the script. No. <laughs> and I'm just trying to somehow... You know, and the sun is almost down. Because you kind of love that as well. That's a challenge for you. You're like, all right, I'll figure something out here, right? That's like... Uh, I love it. Right. Until, <laughs> until they go, okay, we got to flip it on Jeremy. They flip the lens around and it's just a little <laughs> peak of light and we got one take. That's my nightmare. <laughs> And so I just, all I could do was just respond organically, which is you're spinning off the planet and, you know, and just <laughs> try to line. like, you know, make a reference to the fact that he's making no sense and then try to slip in dialogue from the show. You fucking and, killed it. I mean, yeah. to me, no, but I'm serious. That moment is kind of like the U2 moment. The sun is going down. It looks incredible. And I do remember it was like, we're not going to get this and we have to get it. And Busey, honestly, I love him. He burned two and a half, three hours of film. I mean, right. like, he just kept going and going, and there was no stopping him, kind of like at the podcast. What Brett Ratner did, did to me. Do you remember yes. Brett Ratner? <laughs> yes. He took two hours, and I had, like, 
two seconds to do my line. Yep. We also said this on the podcast when we covered the episode. That was kind of your coming out party as well, right? Steady cam mm-hmm. shot. You're in. You that was our, our good fellas. Homage. I don't, you know, Doug's shot. Doug likes that shot. It's on the reel. Well, I, no, I, well, Julian directed it, but I, I loved everything about it. But I, I just want to go back to that first thing because I want to talk to actors out there who get it. I understand everything about the deal making. Forget that. Once we got on that set, it was like, holy shit. A lot of this show, of course, you're a lot of it, was going to be Ari and E going at each other. That was my that was my go to thing whenever I was fucked. When I'm like, I don't know where to go. I know I can just get these two fired up. And it's just, it was, it was fucking magical that day at Koi. I remember watching it going, oh my, this feels as good as anything I've ever seen. That's how I felt. I and was eating the onions because I remember it was the albacore with the crispy onions. Exactly. <laughs> so I was just eating the onions and Jeremy was eating. <laughs> I mean, he was eating well, sushi. Well, the thing is we both committed first take to our, it's like, you know what I mean? So it's like, you, you, whatever you commit to, you got to keep doing it take right. after take. But so you we, have a fire do. in that scene, Jeremy, that I don't know if yeah. you can really bring back to remember it. It feels where you and E become friends it really feels there that you resent the fact that you have to sit there. And while this is a comedy and it's a funny scene, it has a really, to me, a really real resonance to what goes on in Hollywood and to what happens when people bring these people with them. Completely. And that was taking those two worlds and putting them together. And, you know, you got a guy, he Ari was the adult in the room for these guys. You know what I mean? Because they had to figure out a way to make their livelihood kind of come true like you know and so Ari represented that and guys like that who are kissing Vince's ass doing anything to sign him and then they have to fucking <laughs> fucking <laughs> listen to the best friend and they resent it right. do you know what I mean for on many different levels and that that was a perfect example of that and and usually in pilots you have to do some some exposition and all that kind of stuff but you threw us into the belly of the beast from the jump and 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 I heard that Chris Albrecht who was running the network at the time, really liked that scene as well. And that's one of the variables as to him. Well, it said really a lot about what the show was. It was like these two worlds colliding, these fish are out of water and now they're in with the big boys and like they have no place there. And how are they going to figure this out? Right. So it said a lot, that scene. Right. Good work, Doug. uh, Yeah. You know, but I'm I'm really serious when I say this, because a lot of people think I'm trying to talk about the writing. That is when you get the proper cast you know you can go five years, ten years. I didn't know that Ari would be not cheating on his wife and have all of these type of family stories. That never even entered my brain. But as soon as I saw Jeremy working, Kevin Dillon working, you start thinking about all of the possibilities. Kevin Connolly working. A little bit. You didn't think about that. <laughs> okay, that wraps up Victory of the Podcast, part one of our episode with Jeremy Piven. Next week, part two, Victory of the Podcast. Oh,